You are listening to Mama Drama Drama Academy. Hello, 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 hello. This is Tammy. Welcome to the Mama Drama Trauma Academy, where we learn about healing Mama Drama Trauma, a condition in which the mother projects unhealed aspects of herself onto her child, causing emotional and or physical trauma, and how to... In cases where she is unwilling, unable, or unavailable to heal her own mama drama trauma because it is a cycle, how to live in loving detachment from mama, the drama, and the trauma. Welcome to this episode where we're talking about divine empaths, divine empaths with mama drama trauma. That's what we're talking about today. Who are the divine empaths with the mother wound? We're talking about the consistent and persistent unwillingness, unavailability, and inability of the mother to protect, present, and or provide for her child's emotional needs because she did not, A, receive them herself, B, And as a result, does not know how to give it. Why is it that we are divinely given this birth mother experience? That's what we're talking about today. Why is the soul contract to evolve to such depths of self-love through the rejection of the maternal mother? Why must we be baptized so deeply and so profoundly? That's what we're talking about today, is why empaths who have the mother wound are divine. Now, we are all dearly loved divine children of the great mother, father, God, who are never judged, condemned, or left alone. However... There are those of us who can feel the feelings of others, not just talk about it, not just write about it, not just march about it. We feel people. And there are those of us who do not. Young souls have not accumulated the number of lifestyles requisite for that level of frequency. In other words, the incarnation into physical form is new. And these souls have the same level of divine connection. We are all dearly loved divine children of Great Mother, Father, God. Do not get it twisted. Mama and our child is too. None of us are above any of us, especially when all of our avatars teach the opposite. Without getting on too much of a soapbox, just want to emphasize the polarity is divine as well. The way we oppose one another is divine too. Because we are children of the divine great mother, Father God. So that's within this realm of manifestation. The great cosmic manifestation through us and as us. 
But that emerges from the eternal cosmic womb of the Divine Mother. Father, God. So let us no longer be distracted or um, fooled, you know, beguiled by the divinity of the diversity, of the infinity, of the polarities, as far as we know. But then there is existence beyond that we do not know. And it is all in us as us. And so infinite expressions of the divine through us, including through the experience of mama drama trauma. So wanted to start off with that as the foundation of understanding the difference between empaths and narcissists. It's light and shadow, which means that the light and the shadow is in both of us in equal regards. All empaths are highly sensitive people. Highly sensitive people are people who have a more than average depth perception. These individuals are able to sense the subtleties in the environment as well as be able to be highly sensitive to their nervous system in terms of the sensory perception of things, the waving of the hair on the ear, and then the nostril and on the arm, and that high sense of smell, just what the average person, and more than average, 80% of human beings are not, are, are not highly sensitive. They are either normally sensitive, sensory perception, normal, or below normal, you know, just don't, don't have sight, you can't hear, you can't, you know, and there are varying degrees of that, abilities and disabilities, and whatever we want to call them, infinite expressions of the divine, just as empaths and narcissists are. So on the continuum of empaths, yes, you have these highly sensitive people, but they're not necessarily all empaths. Empaths can feel the feelings of others. A highly sensitive person doesn't do that. They feel their feelings deeply. They sense their senses very deeply. They're highly sensitive to loud noises and strong lights and a lot of people need time alone, some exclusion from time to time in order to balance themselves because we live in a 80% general to low sensitivity world. But within highly sensitive people, then 1% of that 20% are empaths. Empaths feel the feelings of others accurately. The issue is this accuracy is thwarted, is skewed with, in an empath with mama drama trauma. And it's skewed because 
the shadow has not been integrated with MDT into the empath. So the empath is feeling the feelings of others, and the empath is an old soul that has had many, 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 many lifetimes and where this soul has earned this degree of high sensitivity, of high frequency, because it feels the feelings of others, it uses this sensitivity to serve. And so you have most of our healers and massage therapists and therapists and the majority of people in these fields, not every single person, obviously, but they're represented by the entire field of profession is dominated by the energies and the frequencies of people who can feel what other people are feeling. That's why they can heal. They can feel it. They can align with things going on with the sensory organ, the human body. And so when we are misaligned through consistent and persistent abandonment and abuse of our earth goddess, our filter is skewed. So, yes, we are highly sensitive. We are more than highly sensitive. We do perceive the feelings of others, and our first other is the womb that we marinate in. A womb of MDT, because MDT is a cycle. A womb of unresolved maternal issues. So you see the filtering, the shadowing before we're even born. So the shadow in our minds, represented by our moon sign and the aspects of Saturn and Rahu and Ketu, showing us this shadow over the moon is a divinely spiritual place to be as an evolving soul in physical form because it requires us to submit to the light as a daily practice if we are to have any at all, including, which is why the soul contract is for us to evolve in self-love and spiritual independence because if we are even to experience love, it will only be through such dedication and devotion to the light. So all of this talk about empaths being more highly spiritual than others is incorrect. It's incorrect in the sense that this implies superiority. When in actuality, if we look at the spectrum, we have intuitive empaths. Now, empaths can feel the feelings of others, but intuitive empaths feel the feelings of others, and they are very clear about the distinction between the feelings of others that they're picking up and their own. Again, with MDT, is greatly skewed. And so we find ourselves in these codependent relationships in order to get our unmet maternal needs fulfilled for the presence of another, the provision from others. And we tend to have sicknesses that have to do with emotional dysregulation is going from zero to ten because all of this unprocessed energy just shadowing, shadowing, shadowing our lens, just clouding it. We don't see anything. We don't see where we're going. But we, we sure do feel. We feel it all. But we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. 
don't know, don't know, don't know what's happening at all. So this is why the foundation of the academy is the light of our divinity. The divinity identity mantra. Beginning this work and especially in designing the Mama Drama Trauma Healing Oracle Deck, which you can get through any of the links here. Um, go to the Instagram account, click that link. Go to the Facebook account, click that link. Um, or just go to mamadramatrauma.info. Get your deck. We have fun in our classes. Um, and just go over these signs and these symbols of this clarifying, balancing, confirming of our divinity love that grandmother pours on us through all these signs and symbols all day, every day, and it's a language. And once we learn this language of living in loving detachment from mama, all that blame, shame, the drama, the guilt, you know, the trauma, this constant emotional instability. So the divine empath is able to clean that lens so that if we are intuitive empaths, as many of us are, we can accurately feel our feelings and the feelings of others, but there's so much smudge and, and, and griminess and dirt on our lens to even be confident enough to own it, let alone speak it, be it, and live it. So we got to get busy cleaning the stuff up is what Great Mother was telling me early on in doing this work. And, of course, starting with me and still working with me, <laughs> and as far as I can see, <laughs> we'll continue to on this ever clarifying process, this purifying process of the soul. And there are no other souls. It's not about good or bad, right or wrong, who's high, who's low. It's about the capacity. You know, the other day, my husband had to get another battery for his truck, and um, it just didn't have the capacity, you know, didn't have the capacity to, you know, work with the starter and the engine and everything to, to even turn over. It just didn't have the capacity anymore. And so what we're talking about is empaths with mama drama trauma, have a power-packed, power-packed capacity to illuminate life, health, and healing in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in ways that we don't even understand because we're so caught up in what that means according to other people instead of what that means for our health. Our happiness, our wholeness, what does that look like? That looks like being a leader, okay? Because you're going to tell people what to do because you can't do it all your own. You know what to do once your lens is clean. You know what you're here to do once your lens is clean. And you know how to do it once you know how to keep that lens clean, which is divinity identity. And knowing you are a dearly loved divine child of the great mother, father, God, who's never judged, condemned, or left alone, Things start happening so quickly, and, and it's happening, and we're seeing it, and there's the giftings of people that is coming through. And so if this is an impediment to you, if this continues to be such a stronghold in your life, 
that is contrary to everything that you know and believe about yourself to be true, then this work is for you. Because what we have to do to heal is integrate that polar narcissist nature into our empath nature. Embrace it with acceptance, with forgiveness, with love. Because we have had to default to some addictive behaviors. Addiction is pain avoidance from embryo based on the best we knew to do. And it's not serving us anymore. That wounded inner child is causing all kind of havoc in our relationships and in our finances and everything, just acting up. And we need to take care of that little baby so that we can go on with our lives because no one else is coming to do it, highly evolved, old soul. You are the most qualified to do it. Okay, so that's how we own our depth of perception with power. That's how we take responsibility for having the sensitivity to subtleties in our environment. To embrace the truth of our divinity and say, hey, this is what it is. And I'm upset about this right here, and I'm going to have to take care of this before I can be doing any massages. Every day, going to that light to build and to build and to get clearer and clearer and cleaner and cleaner on the inside about who and what we are. Otherwise, Whether it's giving massages or baking cakes or delivering a marketing update to the board, it isn't going to be fulfilling unless we're able to know what it costs us to do it. Because we are highly sensitive to the nth degree, which means that in addition to being able to give energy, we receive a lot of it as well. But the imbalance, of course, is in the absorption. And that's why we hear so much about boundaries now, because we are needed. Our services are needed. And there's a clarion call going out, and there's a cacophony of us talking about this. And I know that I have been for some while now with regard to mama drama trauma, because if you have mama drama trauma, it is even that much more intensified, and it intensifies our challenges even greater. But just like any child, and you can think of a human being child that is the worst treated, is the one that has the most help available to it, if it would only know about it and receive it. But it's hard for that child that's being beat up in a dark corner to know that there's help. And it's hard for that child to know that there's help and that there'll be backlash if that help does not succeed in securing what that child needs. And so we have reasons for our reticence. But they are not the truth of who we are. 
that's the dilemma. That's the cognitive dissonance. Yes, we have this power, but no, I'm not going to embrace it because it's easier for me to allow someone more powerful than me to make my life decisions for me. Then I don't have to run the risk of being wrong. I don't have to run the risk of being abandoned and abused again. So this is the default of that inner child, that child that has operated on that program. And what we're saying here to divine empaths is you have access to a higher knowing. Use it. That's what you knew. And there is no fault in any of this to mama or to us. It is a divine soul contract. It's set up this way for us to make the free will conscious choice to love ourselves and to have a spiritual connection with great mother, father, God, divine mother, father, God, the creator, Yahweh, Buddha, whoever you in this plane most resonate with, whatever energy, whatever frequency you most resonate with as the highest frequency your soul knows is valid. That shouldn't even have to be said. I feel ridiculous even saying that. (laughs) I mean, you know, um, we get to determine what that is. And that's why that is the second term of our soul contract. The mama drama trauma soul contract, we incarnate with this in order to evolve in self-love and in spiritual independence. That is having our own unique relationship with that which we call God in us. What that looks like. And for us especially, what that feels like. How does it sound? How does it smell? How does it dance? How does it walk? And again, most importantly, how does it feel? This is where our power is, and it's time for us to stop allowing it to be used against us. It's time for that to stop if what we truly know about ourselves and our divinity is that we have this spiritual connection. Believe in that instead. This is a very difficult soul contract because it is one that releases us of the shackles of earthly attachment. And it is the most difficult attachment to release. But it is necessary in order to fly in the higher frequencies of loving detachment. And that is what the soul contract calls us to. For me, I cannot speak for anyone else other than the experiences I've had personally and for the individuals I've worked with. 
this cannot be done alone. And it is not, in other words, it's not something to be done unsupervised. So this is great supplemental work to therapy and vice versa. Whatever we need to feel that loving presence of great mother, father, God. Now, this is on a level of self-awareness and self-responsibility because it is a grieving process. Grieving means letting go. And we all have our time frame and our schedule for letting go. I know it has taken me many lifetimes, speaking for myself, I know of at least three lifetimes where my mother and I have gone back and forth about this. And this is the lifetime I decided to stop it and accept who I am, what I have to do, and let go of that limited perception of this divine soul that loved me so much. It decided to incarnate as my birth mother, my earth goddess, and coerce me into learning how to love myself for my divine evolution. And with this acceptance, I live in loving detachment from the mama, the conditioned disappointment, frustration, rage, belittlement, defilement of what that little child in me, you know, mama drama trauma happens at different times for different peoples. But uh, different peoples. <laughs> but it's there. It's a soul contract. You know, it's typically a family cycle. And uh, speaking of from embryo to three years, of course, that one way, you know, nurturing from the mother to the child um, from one to three is very important in terms of what they refer to as healthy attachment for a human being to have faith that their basic needs will be met and not constantly be in a state of emotional instability about their survival. There has to be a one-way line of maternal presence, provision, and protection from zero to three for the child to feel that. I know when I was living in Africa, I just fell in love with the babies on the mother's back until they could jump off and didn't want to be on the mother anymore. You know, and I asked about that. I said, well, when do they get down? Because the mother, I mean, they, that baby, that baby is all on the mother's back. I don't care where the mother was going. That baby was on the mother, feeling the mother's heartbeat. And right there, you know, on the mother's back where the mother receives divine guidance about that child, you know, from the heart chakra. And, and it's just being fed and through the back of the heart. Oh, just such a loving connection with these um African mothers and children through this observation. And I was told, well, the child will get down one day and will not want to go up. They'll feel like they're too big and they want to be down, you know, running with the other kids and later on for that. 
you know, and we delay that until the child is in college or preteen or whatever. We delay that and we delay it and we delay it. But the mother feels that at first with the child's first natural um, healthy response to the security. And so it's a celebration because that means the child feels secure enough in the world now to stand on its own two feet. And so this is root chakra. If MDT occurs from 7 to about 14, these um, years, these um, formative to um, developing years, that's what it is. It's a very formative kind of a thing. It kind of um, defines your personality in terms of how you relate to people on a superficial level, okay? Because if you've had healthy attachment up to that time, your core beliefs are already established. And so that's why having a core belief of safety and security in the world can't be beat. That can't be beat. Um, there are many empaths who have this healthy attachment. We're talking specifically about those of us with MDT. Now, this is important in relating to the chakras, that would be second chakra, the formative, developmental, and then the younger um, years, 14 to 20, you know, we're going into gut chakra, making our own decisions, that actual kind of break away from the family. That's why traditionally we went into our rites of passage. We went into our womanhood training around 12, 13, because that's gut chakra, that Martian energy making our own decisions about our life to the degree that we're stepping away from the family and beginning to define our own uh, personality. And we go all the way up the chakras based on what time it happened. For me, it was around my 20s, the phase right after that, that heart chakra time, around 21 and 28, around there. And this particular time, of course, breaks your heart, you know, and so this experience, having had a very strong, healthy attachment from zero to about 21, you know, um, a little longer after that, and then I got married, and that brought up a lot of issues for her and a lot of issues I didn't know that I had, and that is when it was triggered in her, this MDT. Or when I allowed myself to really discover and then go through the process of asserting my boundaries, what my needs were as a human being, that I had willingly given as an empath with MDT, unaware, I, but I freely given. I didn't feel like I had any mama drama trauma. That's why... When I'm working with people, after a period of about a month to six weeks, it, it always comes up and it's always really interesting because it happens when we're starting to talk about LTBS. And it's a phase in processing that we go through, a low tolerance for BS. And it always comes up, well, how do you feel about all these people walking around who 
deny they have mama drama trauma. This is like describing most of the people that I know, not just empaths, not just, you know, this is like people have this. This is normal. (laughs) And I always, you know, say I haven't always in the beginning. I would be like, yeah, yeah, I I know, I know. But uh, recently um, I have been always saying recently, now I'm saying I should say, that, um, you know, because I realized, I didn't realize I had it. You know, I didn't realize my whole life was shaped by approval to such a degree. There was an imbalance there. And that kind of emotional dysregulation, this this issue really, what we're talking about in terms of integrating the shadow it's empaths with MDT are always in a state of emotional instability because as a highly sensitive person or HSP, we're extremely sensitive to these subtleties in our environment. And so what a normal person would respond to as the, you know, kettle going off, you know, just as an example, this is not how each and every one of us responds. But using it as an example, an empath with MDT might just really go off on the person, especially if they've already, if we've already made it very clear to that person that those kinds of sudden noises are really upsetting. You know, it's a higher than normal startle response is what it's called in PTSD um, diagnosis. It's a irregular response. That's why it's called, um, you know, this dysregulated emotional response to things because we start off in such a high sense of insecurity, didn't have those basic needs of presence protection met. So the world is against us is a core belief that we have. And so... it just really makes us have this cognitive dissonance. So let's kind of talk about that because this is the heart of the narcissist integration because on the extreme end of the empath continuum is the psychic or the intuitive. You have all different types of intuitives, but intuitives basically and psychics basically are the same thing, are individuals who hear, see, feel, just like all the other empaths' information. But not only can they distinguish between their feelings and how another person's feelings are, what those feelings are, they can determine what they mean. They know the meaning behind those feelings. So... The distinction between them and an intuitive empath, the intuitive empath can feel the feelings of others like any empath and distinguish those feelings from their own. Like, okay, I can accurately distinguish that right now I'm feeling really, really happy and really, really excited and I'm really anticipating something really great happening, but I can also feel this person sitting across from me is like, I'm really upset, I'm really nervous, I can't wait to get the news, whatever. For example, sitting in the hospital room or something like that. That's why empaths a lot of times you know, don't want to go to the hospital. It's not because they don't want to see the person. We love people. We don't want to sit in the waiting room. 
I don't need all that today. I didn't sign up for that. When we haven't learned how to establish healthy boundaries, and even once we have learned, we may decide that that is a way to have healthy boundaries. So getting back to the definition of a psychic and an intuitive, not only can they distinguish, they can determine the meaning of those feelings accurately. So an intuitive or a psychic sitting in that example in the hospital waiting room would be feeling excited and feeling great because they know they're going to get the news that they want to get on the other side of those hospital doors. They know it's great news. They know their life is going to move forward now. This is a huge weight lifted. This is just a blessing. It's fantastic. And they also know that the other person that's waiting, that's really nervous, doesn't have that security. They don't know what's going to happen. And they are in angst. And they have been in angst the whole time they've been sitting there, and they don't know what is going to happen. And depending on the level of their psychic ability and capacity, they will also be able to read even deeper meaning into it. Okay, but it will always be equal to whatever they can determine um, about themselves with regard to their shadow. Okay, and this doesn't mean that every single psychic has this kind of deep awareness, which is exactly the point. On the other end of this continuum is the psychopath and the sociopath. Now, remember what I was telling you about all of us are divine beings. We all have intuition. However, some of us have a very clean lens, have the dopest sound system in the cosmos. Some of us have 2020 vision, you know, and others of us, not so much. Not so much. And because not so much, we are much more insecure. We're much more combative. We don't hear very well. We don't understand what people are saying very well. And so it always seems like somebody's talking about me. You know, what they saying? What they, what's going on? Well, I didn't see that. I didn't see, you know. And so you're just so distracted by that all the time. You can't employ the higher powers that you have as a divine child. And so there is an over and extreme focus on yourself because that is your state of emotional instability. But you do have, as a result of that constant sharpening, a higher degree of emotional intelligence than an empath. Okay? An empath is highly emotionally sensitive, okay? And you, a narcissist on the other hand, have this great emotional intelligence. And so one of the things that is important to know is when we do not address these unmet needs, as empaths, that's exactly what we do. We show up as the sociopath on the other end of the continuum. We show up as the narcissist personality 
disorder that we project onto others because we're so spiritual and we're so sensitive. And we're so spiritual and we're so sensitive within the context of an external evaluation as a result of us trying to self-protect and to people please that we're just rolling on fumes with our own spirituality. It's not real. It's not real application of our sensitivity because we're too afraid to do that. You know, we're too afraid to actually own our own unique spiritual ideas because somehow it could be wrong the way I think about God. My family doesn't worship that way. We don't do that. You know, we don't talk that way. Um, And... Here at the academy, this cognitive dissonance and the mother wound are related in the sense that when we're talking about becoming this people pleaser or self-destructive in other ways as a result of this depression, the suppressing of our anger and emotions, our needs are never met because we are too distracted, just like the narcissist is too distracted by the kind of sensory overload that they don't have the capacity to process because of their young souls and inexperience. We have the capacity. We just aren't using it in that way. It's a misapplication of our divinity that we can correct with the awareness of it which is what the academy is all about, is becoming more aware of that and how that actually intervenes with the support that's available to you for your depth of processing. And this tendency toward overstimulation, strong emotions, and this internalization of shame, blame, and guilt this internalization of shame, blame, and guilt, instead of using it in those more outwardly powerful ways. Okay, so let's talk about that transition a little bit and how that might look for you. Well, when people hold a strong core belief, when presented with evidence to the contrary, and we cannot accept it, or we have a very strong belief, but we're constantly and consistently doing the opposite behavior, as we see a lot with mama drama trauma or any type of abusive behavior. The resulting behavior of that kind of behavior is to immediately try to protect that core belief. So I'm a holier-than-thou person, but I treat myself and my children with abandonment and abuse. We rationalize it, okay, in some way. You know, well, the Bible says don't spare the rod or my mother did it to me. Excuse me. All of these um, excuses that we heard growing up when we wondered why we were being treated a certain way and thus this cycle. And, And this happens despite evidence against it. All day, every day. 
you know, that doesn't help. That isn't good. You know, my grandchildren, you know, are very unhappy about the way they're being disciplined. And as we get older, we see the mistakes of our ways. But now it's too late and all of this around us. So when we're talking about this kind of mental discomfort and holding contradictory beliefs, this is what I'm talking about when I say emotional dysregulation. Because with MDT and these unmet maternal needs, abandonment or abuse, drama, getting them filled by surrogates oftentimes causes drama. The stepmother isn't liked, but she comes in and she's very helpful or a neighbor or there's either a competitive thing or there's just other challenges and circumstances that create drama around an alternate way of getting those maternal needs with mama drama trauma. Um, even adoptions, okay, are very upsetting to many people. If not even with the slight mental discomfort of not knowing your mother is very emotionally unstable. It is a um, kind of a buzz. You know, it's just an emotional buzz is always just kind of in the back of your head with regard to maternal issues. So I call those other mothers, quote unquote. And we have other mothers who save us in those regards as well as other mothers who are abusive themselves. And the shock of rejection and the shock of neglect is so powerful. It's so powerful. You know, for example, when we feel enraged, for being ignored or, or mistreated or expressing a need, you know, for, okay, well, it's okay. If you can't, I'm going to go over here. And then, you know, we become uncomfortable with others' reactions because it seems somehow to always cause a problem. You know, if it's not that, it's the fact that I need my own room, not because I don't like my siblings or not because of this, but as a highly sensitive person, we do need space to process things in order to rebalance. So there's always this friction. You know, there's always trouble, you know, and we're always creating trouble. And um, being highly sensitive, we just kind of go along. A lot of times it's not even that we're not um, powerful or assertive in the beginning, and many times we are. We just get worn down by the resistance, even to the point of not wanting to express our needs, which causes more harm to us and eventually to our own children. So all of this is just due to having a belief that we are good people. Imagine that. That's a problem to believe in your heart and your soul that you're a good person <laughs> because you know it. But the problem with that and the trouble it causes is because the belief has us thinking good people are not supposed to cause trouble. Good people are not supposed to cause trouble. Yet, all the good people throughout history seem to me that's exactly what they do. Seem to me that's exactly what all the good people have done. 
or at least the ones that have been paraded in front of us, like Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Harriet Tubman, um, you know, you, you Mandela, Winnie Mandela, you know, um, you know, Amma, you know, just <laughs> wherever you are, where you are, there's always some kind of trouble, no matter what the good is that um, you're doing. Bob Marley, you know, um, it's just amazing that there's always some controversy around good people. And so this discomfort is due to this belief we are good people, caring people, and good people are not supposed to make others angry, upset, or uncomfortable. And so this creates a cognitive dissonance, okay? This is this cognitive dissonance that emerges with immediately trying to resolve that instability, that emotional dysregulation. We don't want to go from zero to 10. And so what do we do? Either one of two things. Either we resolve the cognitive dissonance, this discomfort caused by this belief that I'm a good person, but good people don't cause trouble. Um, We resolve that by either taking responsibility for something we did not do, or an outcome we did not cause, which leaves it unaddressed and us feeling unheard and unseen again, or we assert, justify, or defend our needs, actions, and beliefs. Whether people like it, agree with it, or will do it, or honor it or not. Whether they do what we ask or whether they honor what we ask, it doesn't matter. We take the responsibility for our divinity and for what our needs are. And if they're not met, that just means that we're not in the frequency we need to be. But we have to check, just like everybody else, we can always have miscommunication. And we often do because what? Our greatest gifts are are what? Our greatest challenges. So our greatest gift is this internal communication as, as highly evolved souls. But the, the polarity is this light that we feel devoid of in many cases as it relates to our experience in the world is in our inner world. And we have to bring it out safely and securely. And the only way we can do that is by managing those unhealed wounds those triggers. And so I want to talk more about that um, maybe next time. But this time it was really important to get to this issue of the shadow because empaths that have this divine soul contract of mama drama trauma really have to understand why boundaries are difficult for us with this great sensitivity. You know, what is this about, okay? And we can do all the rah-rah talk about having clear lines drawn in the sand for communication, the importance of me time, and this and that and that and this, but without a clear emotional path, 
from the heart to draw the line with the hand, forget it. Forget it. Those are boundaries. Boundaries come from the heart. And when my heart was broken, it took many years to build a boundary. Because that's where the onset of my MDT was. And so that's why I do a lot of work with ego-soul alignment because that's the crossroads of the ego and the soul. And so each of us have our gifts that we bring to this work. And I really want you to know more about how you can get in touch with us to share yours. Do you feel like an empath? You're not alone. There are over 20 million people in the United States who identify as being empathic. And they're tired of feeling drained all the time. We know how it feels to be constantly overwhelmed by other people's emotions, thoughts, and energy. It can make us sick physically and emotionally, but there is hope. Divine Empath helps empaths learn how to protect themselves from absorbing others' energies so that we can live a more balanced life with less stress and anxiety. This book is for empaths looking for a way out of feeling drained all the time into feeling divine most of the time. By joining our book launch team, you have said you, in exchange for the empath grounding techniques to release excess energy or emotions, taking hold of your body or mind, stop someone else's mood from affecting your own and staying present without tuning into what everyone around you is thinking for a little bit of your divine reading, reviewing, and recommending power to empower my one-person publishing house we will all be less trained and feel more divine. If you check out our Facebook group, Divine Empaths, it's the dedicated book launch group for the Divine Empaths and Mother Womb book. Check it out. Okay, we were just talking about getting to a place of clear boundaries in our hearts. What is it that we need in order to know this is okay, this is not okay, this feels right, this does not feel right, and clearly defining what those things are, communicating them to others by establishing those boundaries through that communication and then continuing that communication has to be said over and over again just as we were conditioned to believe that we were somehow unworthy or that we were somehow too much, causing too much trouble with our sensitive needs and insights and all of this and that. We have to do the daily work reconditioning our mind. What did Jesus say? Renewing the mind. And so that renewal is supported by the heart. The soul comes in at the heart in terms of our conscious awareness. Okay, of course the soul enters through the 10th chakra, up through the root chakra, but we're talking about this conscious spark of 
that place of recognizing we are divine empaths with MDT. So let's unravel the steps to gaining this clarity, shall we? So we talked about the cognitive dissonance, this idea that contradicts with our behavior and that being from our conditioned past, since embryo, some of us, you know, that uh, somehow Um, this is just how it is. And this is how I have to operate in this environment. And even though it makes me crazy, and it makes me nervous, and you know, I'm on pins and needles, and I'm going from zero to 10 all the time. um, This is just kind of the way it is and the way I have to operate to keep peace, because that's most important to me. That kind of being confronted with this, I feel that I am a good person. And I truly do deserve better. But every time I assert it, every time I stand up for it, I'm knocked down again. So I must not be that good. That cognitive dissonance. Am I? Am I not? Am I a divine child? Am I dearly love? Am I not? Am I? Am I? And just this dissonance, this trauma, this trauma, this soul dissociation, this trauma. And so... Let's unravel the steps to gaining this clarity, to cleaning the lens, you know. And if anyone can do that, we can as empaths. It's just a question of reallocating our energy from going into those narcissistic default behaviors. Okay, intuitive empaths tend to go into a... um, NPD type of a thing where it's just this really hyper excessive um, focus on the self and I, I, me, me, me to the point where I don't see anything but my sensitivities. I don't see anything but my pet and, you know, my emotional support pet. I don't see anything or anybody else's needs but that. Very narcissistic. Highly, you know, we, we, we got the NPD going, okay? And we have this conflict with others with this kind of behavior because we don't see it in ourselves and so we pick partners who have this kind of behavior and somehow find ourselves being their sponges and we're just kind of projecting these shadows on one another and we can have such a more beautiful dance shadow dance with our consciousness of who we are and where we are in our evolutionary process because we have a lot that we could certainly learn about, you know, emotional intelligence for sure uh, from from narcissists. I mean, it's not something that uh, we want to celebrate by any means, but we do definitely want to be aware of the fact that the way the sensitivity is used is in ways that are selfish and often, um, you know, just very um, macabrely, you know, quite frankly, they don't absorb other people's emotions. They have an intelligence that allows them to recognize and manage their own emotions and those of others. You know, and so it's it's this, again, controlling of the external environment as a way to emotional stability. 
due to the constant terror uh, or hysteria, really, uh, about the overwhelm of, of clouded lenses of this power plant that you're carrying around and not having the wisdom of many lifetimes to know how to regulate that energy in relationship with others. But there is this high intelligence um, to, between, to distinguish between their emotions and others' emotions and to pick up from that what's important. You know, the Jim Joneses of the world, the Charles Mansons, you know, we have these people who um, have really caused a lot of harm to humanity, you know, the Hitlers and uh, people. But the point is how they are using their intuitive connection to the divine, which is yin-yang. And so everybody has that yin-yang, some of us more than others. So this is important to acknowledge and to recognize as a highly sensitive person without fear because we have to, in our first step in gaining clarity, find resonance how can we find resonance if we don't know what our shadow is? And in order to find our resonance, we have to decide which one it is. Are we responsible for ourselves and our personal actions? Or are we responsible for others and their actions? Are we using, in other words, our high-capacity plant as a supply for narcissists to do what young souls do because they don't know any better and it's somehow serving a need for us to feel protected, to feel provided for, to feel a sense of presence because they really don't want to let you go. They really, really, really don't. They need the power because they don't know their own. They don't have the experience to know that they have the power. You know, anyone who's raising a preteen or ever has knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, you know, it's power management. So we have to gain clarity through a sense of reality with this shadow self we call the narcissist. This kind of awareness is what is necessary in order for the memes that we see in social media um, to be true, which is you have a choice. It's your life. It's up to you. It's your free will. You know, you have the power, blah, 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 blah. In order for that to be true, this also has to be true. And that is we take responsibility for our actions and for ourselves. And that's it. That's what we have to do in order to make that true. We don't have that assignment to be responsible for other people's actions. That's not our job. But it can be 
We can wear ourselves out, and many of us kill ourselves, quite literally, doing it. So we have free will. We're here talking about how to apply that in a healthy way. And so as a divine empath, someone who knows you are a dearly loved divine child of the great mother, father, God, who's never judged, condemned, or left alone, decides I am responsible for me and myself alone in terms of how I feel. I take responsibility for how I feel and for how I act. I am not responsible for how anyone else feels, how they act, why they acted that way. None of that. All of it, though, is information. This is loving detachment. And this is the end game here. No spiritual practice is the end game. But there is an end game in every spiritual practice. And in this one, it is loving detachment. And so the first step to just gaining clarity about how to unravel this cognitive dissonance enough to clearly see that your power is being invested in an old system of defense. You know, it's just an old app that needs updating or delete it altogether for a new one for most of us is just deleting that old way of getting our unmet maternal needs fulfilled instead of unconsciously projecting our needs onto other people I for years would project my maternal needs onto older women that I would just kind of take on as surrogate mothers. And without them even being aware, I'm sure some of them were, had some very kind and helpful people. None of them um, would, you know, have been someone who rejected. But um, we can cause problems for ourselves when we do that, you know, that are unnecessary if we just use the information that the reality is I have this shadow going on, I have this instability, and so yes, I'm going to want that need to be fulfilled. Now let me be aware of how Great Mother is blessing me with maternal love. Let me be aware of who's responding to that so that I can articulate my needs, my boundaries, as well as my needs, so that they can communicate that to me and we can be clear about our motivations, our feelings, our actions, so we have clarity in our relationships. The second thing, after we decide to take responsibility for our own feelings and our own actions, is we have to make the decision to be okay knowing that we can change how we feel and how we act at any time. We have to be okay with it going both ways. You know, sometimes we make a decision and we feel that it will limit us. It will challenge us in such a way that we might not want to be challenged, but it's the best thing for us. And we have to be okay with realizing we have those feelings but that we also have the insight and the ability to use our 
sensitivity to observe ourselves and our lives and to see whether or not it's working for us. Give it a chance. Take some of the focus off of other people and put it on ourselves and just see what's going on with ourselves and what's working and what's not working and test things out so that we can modulate and improve our responses to things in ways that honor us as divine children. This way we always have a sense of the consequences for our feelings and for our actions. So we may feel a particular way that in the past we would not have honored. I need to assert that this bright light needs to go off. I'm sorry, I know everybody's in here and whatnot, but do we have a dimmer? Otherwise, I'll be happy to go outside. But I am going to bring that up, whereas in the past I would not have. Tally it. Tally you, you standing up for yourself. And just kind of observe how things are going. And modulate your voice. You know, sometimes when we start off, it's that zero to ten. That's okay. Observe. Next time, okay, I'm going to dial it down. That's the second step, having the compassion to not just stand up for yourself, but to do it in a way that you are kind to yourself doing it. That you're like, okay, let's see what, what, what my inner child is going to do and, and how am I going to guide my inner child who really does need to have his eyes relaxed in this moment or have her moment out away from the crowd in this moment. Instead of just running off as I've done in the past, because no one ever listens to me about these things, let me just say, okay, well, I did in my own actions decide to come to this party, and therefore I will take responsibility and make the action of communicating. I'm going to step outside for a little bit. I'm going to get somewhere where I can have some peace. Is there a room that I can, you know, that's the second thing. And the third thing for clarity is just being sure that when you're in this observation process to own up to what challenges you learned, own up to them, acknowledge them, as well as your wins. What is the slam dunk this week that you've just really been trying to dial in and get right with your son? There's just been this communication gap, and you know because you were just like him, but since you've been more aware and you've been dialing in, instead of using all of your energy in anger and frustration about the situation, I think I actually made a connection last night. We actually got over that hump after observing and working with that aspect within my own inner child. I help to heal my own child. That's a win. That's a win. That's a win. And that's the kind of thing that the courses and the work at the academy helps us to gauge and be in touch with. Because the consequences of not taking the needed space and time to do this is that whole zero to ten emotional dysregulation and enmeshment with narcissistic personalities and... Those are very important learning trees. And so when we are in those situations, we want to likewise be compassionate and kind with ourselves as we become more aware of ourselves and how we are perpetuating the situation. A consequence of 
not taking the needed time and space that we need to do this kind of work is also this sense of just continuation of unmet needs. You know, there's just a consistent and persistent in consideration, care, and compassion experienced in daily life, or if not in life in general, with very key specific people at work, in the family, or in the neighborhood. Um, This always showing up in different pants and different skirts and different races and different hairstyles, this conflict is a consequence of not taking the time and space to do this type of work. And another consequence is, I think, the most important of not taking the time and space to do this work is that the world is straight up robbed of your unique gifts, talents, and abilities. We just don't get them. That's, that, that's just our bad. We, we just lose out. We never get to see that beauty that's in your heart that we need, that you were born to give if you decided to through your free will. It is more difficult for some of us than it is for others, as I have shared Many times, I know of at least three lifetimes through past life regressions with Patricia McGriven, who is uh, on a prior podcast here. She was sharing with us her book, um, uh, her most recent book about past life. She's written a couple by now, amazing past life regressionist, Patricia McGriven. And I know of at least three where me and my mother were going back and forth. You know, and it was just this lifetime that I was ready, willing, and able. So there's always compassion. You know, there's always compassion. There's always compassion. And so we give it to ourselves first in order to experience it with mama drama trauma. I want to thank you for listening, and um, if you would like to join us in this journey to publication this summer, hopefully, (laughs) I'm pretty sure uh, it will be out by then, Uh, please hit us up at Facebook. But in the meantime, in between time, remember, Great Mother loves you, and I do too. Great Mother, Holy Spirit, Yin, Divine Mother, Cosmic Moon, Deep Space, the Moon, Dark Matter, the Void, the Black Hole, Hattar, Isis, Diana, Mami, Ishtar, Kali, Nanny, and Mother of the Holy Spirit, Yin, Divine Mother, Cosmic Moon, Deep Space, the Moon, Dark Matter, the Void, the Black Hole. I'm a divine child of the Great Mother, Father God, a divine child of the